Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Xander and Hanley on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. All right, here we go. It's ESPN 1000, Xander and Hanley, Sunday morning. Look out, Brian. All three teams won yesterday on the same day. Yeah, it's a nice little day in Chicago. Hey, we're going old school today. Um, yeah, I'm right, the right. You're, you're I'm on the, on the telephone pole. Yeah, yeah. like uh, <laughs> you're up on the telephone. Did you have to crank it? Did yeah, you have to you do know, that Green crank? Acres and, was and, one of my favorite. Green Acres was one of my favorite shows, so I climbed up the pole to make the right. call. But here I am. Right. These, our technology sometimes uh, a lot like Soldier Field sod. Um, <laughs> you're right. But it's, we try to overcome. And, yeah, and the NFL yeah. said this will work today, today too. So there you go. Well, okay, well, thank, thankfully the NFL weighed in on this situation here. Cool. And I, I hope that uh, – do you have those spikes on your shoes so you can stay up on the pole, or are you just hang, hanging on for dear life? <laughs> yeah, just, Sarah, Sarah, get me Mark Xander down there in Chicago. <laughs> right. Oh, you know, I love Sarah. Isn't she the best? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there was Andy Griffith, right? Hey, Sarah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah, yeah, yeah, right. So uh, yesterday, watching the Bears, you know, it's one of those things, Brian. I want to be excited, but I know better because it's just preseason. But we saw some things to be excited about. We're going to talk to Courtney Cronin coming up at 1030, our ESPN 1000 Bears insider, to see, to just kind of get a little bit of reality, right? Because when we're just watching on TV and, boy, that grass was beat. I mean, there's no way. I mean, even on TV, you can tell. So I can't imagine how bad it was in person. Yeah, I mean, look, I took Tyro Santos' word for it yesterday when I tweeted out, uh, you know, what was coming up on our show because he said it was awful. So I was yeah, off on yeah. Tuesday. Now, he said it was a little bit better, which, you know, again, didn't pass the eye test, but apparently he passed the NFL test. And But everyone else from the, NA, uh, the NFL PA to agents, you know, I, if I was Andy Reid, I would have maybe given it a long second thought about putting Patrick Mahomes out there. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing about Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't care. And he makes it look easy, and he made it look really easy. You know, the, the the encouraging thing, Mark, was the Bears' defense was really having a good, consistent showing um, through the first week or two of camp, right? Uh-huh. And the problem is maybe it's, it was because they were going against the Bears' offense, which was in the missing points formation in honor of Matt Nagy in the first half yesterday. They <laughs> saluted their former coach by not scoring because that's what they did under Nagy. But Patrick Mahomes, 11 plays, 72 yards, five minutes, 37 seconds off the clock, and just, you know, dissected them, made it look easy, didn't get dirty, looked like, you know, this was just a kid out there wheeling the ball around the yard and, you know, calling it a day. I mean, only had to convert two third-down conversions. That's what it looks like when you're an elite team, even in the preseason. And obviously, the Bears, by their own admission, are far, far, far from being an elite team. But there were some things to like. But it's it's awful tough to to judge anything right now, given how many people weren't available, and some of the people who were available weren't all that. But some guys who were just guys two weeks ago, all of a sudden you start paying attention to them. You think, hmm, maybe you got something there, Tajay mm-hmm. Sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those were the things that we could pick out, right? Uh, I mean, even again, it's a preseason, but seeing uh, Semyon in, it's like. Oh, you know what? He's not half bad as a backup. Mm, this is interesting. We didn't know 
You know, we didn't know what we were going to see. And, you know, how much it matters in preseason, that's always the thing. But the field was pretty rough. And we've got some audio of Patrick Mahomes and Coach Reed talking about the field conditions. Let's hear that here. Yeah. No. A lot better than my high school field was. <laughs> Not much. Yeah, seriously. What do you think of the field conditions? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a... Uh... It was good. I mean, it, it's uh, they're a little. I think they had some some type of concert, so there was some stuff here and there. But I mean, it wasn't any crazy bad shape or anything like that. So um, I love playing here at Soldier Field. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's an awesome stadium. You feel the history of it, um, and uh, hopefully, I get to play a couple more games here and uh, and try to do whatever I can to win them. Yeah, you know, Brian, uh, there is a uh, there's a documentary on Netflix about Woodstock '99 and what a mess that was. Thank God it was an Elton John concert. You know, those Elton John fans aren't too crazy because the field would have been much worse heading into that game. And and now Rammstein is going to be there. Fred Hubner, big fan of Rammstein, which is still hard to hard to fathom. I'm, unaw- him. I'm unaware of Rammstein. Um, yeah, no, they're a German. Uh, hard techno wow. rock band. It's really wild that Fred, Fred is into them. I can't imagine wow. him b- being in the crowd for Rammstein. But the point is, they are going to have that Rammstein concert. Then they're going to redo the whole field, thankfully, because yeah. obviously it needs it. But yes, as you were saying, we we were trusting with the Bears, uh, you know, Santos and and anybody else who's commenting on the field. But sometimes TV makes things look a little better. Uh-uh, no, no way. No. That looked really, I mean, it was burnt. It was, it was as if, and, and, and this is a bigger question. We don't really need to go down this path, but I did openly wonder yesterday thinking, all right, so the park district is trying to make a case to keep the bears at Soldier Field. They're not doing a good job by letting the grass go like this. Well, the Chicago fire actually postponed a August 23rd game in anticipation that the field's not going to be up to their standards. They've already, they're going back out to Toyota. Is it still Toyota out there? Yeah, Bridgeview, whatever it's called today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they anticipated that it's not going to be playable for them. And, mm-hmm. and yet here the bears are. It, and look, first of all, I've never seen a mosh pit at a Elton John concert. So you're Ooh, right. It, right. It, that crowd doesn't really they were get easy too. on the grass and it was still bad. Can you imagine otherwise? Yeah, Danny's song gets everyone jumping up and down. No. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that makes people crazy. Yeah. Um, and Tiny but, Dancer. Oh, my God. Oh, don't don't get me. You know, she was a seamstress, seamstress for the band. Um, yeah, it's but, it, you know, one thing about Patrick Mahomes, you know, well, two things. The voice doesn't match the body. Uh, that's just a, a stupid takeaway on my part. <laughs> but you're not wrong. Yeah, okay. But I mean, that guy's a pro's pro. He, yeah. he, you know, and Randy Walker, the old uh, head coach at Northwestern, and he's not the only football coach that ever say it. A, a real football player would go play football in a, in a asphalt parking lot if he had the opportunity, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. no place they wouldn't want to play football. You play where that you got to like, play, and you make it happen. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that bad, you know. And I'm like, and, and then he, you know. Knew, he knew who he was talking to. He's like, I love, I want to play here. I'd love to play more games here because of the history. I mean, he gets it. He gets it. And I think Justin Fields gets it. But one of our Twitter poll questions today, Mark, is about Justin Fields because really that's the first two, three, one, two, three things on the list that matters. You know, how did he do? How's he going to do? Certainly. And one of our Twitter poll questions today is where is your confidence level in Justin Fields? today as compared to the day he was drafted with Chicago Bears. Are you more confident? Are you as confident? 
Are you less confident or time to start looking at drafting a quarterback in 2023? Oh, boy, that last that last one is uh, those are for people sitting on the ledge already. And I suppose there are some. Well, I look, I wouldn't put Ryan Poles and and Matt Eberflus. I mean, they're look they're going to look at this thing as on a critical with critical eyes from now until till the end of the regular season. I don't see a Mm -hmm. postseason in uh, envisioned for these uh, Chicago Bears. They're going to have to make a decision as in, in very short order as to yep. what they have here because they didn't draft them and right. they inherited them. And I don't think it's a two-year process. I think they'll have a very good grasp after year one as to what he grasps, grasps in terms of system and, and leadership and all the intangibles. And I'm still very confident in Justin Fields, but I don't think they wait through 2023. I think they will... I'm not saying he wouldn't be here in 2023, but they might go ahead and draft another quarterback and, and get that pipeline going a little bit. Well, well, it, it would be interesting to say uh, or, or see, you know, how much he has to do to gain their confidence to move on to 2023. And, and like you said, right, it wouldn't be a, uh, you know, hit the eject button, send him off, and then all of a sudden no. start over. It would be a transition. But, you know, he to earn that job yesterday – it, it it wasn't enough. Well, look, he had 18 snaps. And, and he snaps. didn't get a lot of time either. And, and, and no. that's, and that's well, that, always the thing with preseason. Well, that's the problem. Now, you know, as much as Braxton Jones was being celebrated as being, uh, you know, a standout in, in training camp to this point, going against Robert Quinn, well, Robert Quinn wasn't out there yesterday, but Braxton Jones was okay, pretty good, not great. The right side of the of the offensive line, oof, oof. Um, but you know, Justin Fields, eighteen snaps, and he had a few good throws, and and Tajay Sharp made him look really good on that. Yeah, that one grab was stellar. The fingertips, right, and brings yeah. him both feet down, but he still got no points in the first half. He had three, three and outs, right? He had mm-hmm. uh, he had three first downs and and three punts. I mean. It's not you saw you saw plays you saw flashes but you didn't see sustainability and that's what you got to start seeing you got to see right. let's pick up the first down let's pick up another first down let's get in the end zone there's a novel approach you know it's it's not asking too much in the, even the first preseason game to put some points on the board in the first half now they come back and win the game okay congratulations and some un, unsung and undrafted guys like Jack Sanborn, you know, put a lot out there for their coaches to consume on tape and really, you know, might be uh, eye openers, but it's all about Justin Fields. And, yes, it is. you know, at the, you know, a couple of those receptions were about the receivers, not necessarily about the throws, but he was on the run. And we talked about yesterday, how much, is the run by design and how much is it because he's got run for your life type run. Exactly. Right. And, and and thankfully with the preseason being multiple games, this is where we have to see improvement for next week. And well, Thursday comes, I mean, Thursday, Thursday, right. Yeah. And they don't have a lot of time to, to to turn this thing around. Again, there were things you liked. I mean, Chacon Frisker was outstanding, right? I wow. mean, he, wow, 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 wow! Yeah, that was nice to see. And he was that he was a, a draft pick that was part of the compensation for Khalil Mack. So if we see what we saw yesterday, yesterday consistently, that that would be a loud win for Ryan Poles. It seems. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, because we, when you're trying to evaluate Justin Fields moving forward, you know, they threw numbers at the wide receiver wide receiver position, and you've got many guys out with injury and Pringle and guys like that. And and it's still, even with them healthy, Ross Tucker, who does CBS work and some other work as an NFL analyst, he told Brad Biggs yet again yesterday, and he has been consistent in this, he, he said the Bears – may have the worst wide receiving core and the worst offensive line in the entire league. See, now that would be a problem if only one of those things was true. Not both, both, both the worse, yeah. Then then it's really then it's really going to be interesting to see how they, you know, how how the you know, the, look, I think Ryan Poles is still going to be adding guys uh in particular to the offensive line mix as he sorts things out and figures out who's your keeper and who's not. Um, but it, it's, you're not going to get appreciably better between now and the start of the regular season because it'll be guys who are cut from other teams. Right. What was your first impression five minutes into the game? If you just said this, if you just compared to what the bears look like in preseason under Nagy and what, they look like under Eberfus. Did you notice a difference? I feel like I did. Maybe it's already because I know that it's a different situation and my mind was playing tricks on me, but it looked more cohesive. Yeah, degree. more, much more organized. And, organized, and yeah. not just the five minutes, but <clears throat> by the time the game was all over with, no pre-snap penalties. You know, mm-hmm. things that we saw mm-hmm. coming out of timeouts last year. And some takeaways. You know, and, and some takeaways. And that is, uh, that's an Eberflus thing, right? That's that's yeah, part I, of the game plan, a strong defense. Take I did see guys not tackling, just guys hitting with their shoulder when they could have wrapped a guy up and, and made a play. And there's another 20 yards after the fact. Some of that stuff still has to be cleaned up. But, yeah, I, to, to your point, much more organized. I think there's much more accountability every time these players talk about how you know, certainly camp has been much more uh, difficult and, and harder on them in terms of physical and all that, but yeah. also what what's expected. And they all just seem to say there's a new sheriff in town. And, um, you know, this one, this one <laughs> seems to have a little bit more of uh, expectations and a little more accountability in the, in the locker room. And when you said that they, they did miss a few tackles, I saw that too. You know that they're going to hear about that. Last year, you did not know if they were going to hear about that. You did not know if there was accountability. I made the assumption that there wasn't much because the same things kept happening over and over. This year, there is. It seems to be that that's the case. And I look forward to seeing less of those mistakes because they are going to say, point them out and say, you know, you can't repeat those mistakes or you're going to get some bench. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, to, to last year, guys would do it, and there was no lack of playing time, no sit down. And you saw a muff punt yesterday, and that guy was sitting on the bench the rest of the game. There's one thing Matt Eberflus will not uh, abide is is mistakes that put the ball on the ground, and and then you know, so he recovers the muff punt, and then he's 14 yards past uh, back where uh, he got the punt because he's trying to escape after you know yes. the, he, he's in trouble. So. Uh, that that they ain't going to fly with this coaching staff. You know, you don't get a second chance. You know, you'll be sitting down thinking about that one. And, and that's the point. That's that's what a coach does, and that's not what we saw. We did not see enough accountability. The team was running things. Now the coaching staff 
seems to be running things. 312-332-3776. We've got more audio to hear. We'll play for you. We'll take your phone calls. Courtney Cronin coming up at 1030. Our Bears insider here on ESPN 1000. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Brian Hanley, it was a Bears win yesterday, but what does it really mean being preseason game number one? Whatever polls on ESPN 1000 on Twitter at ESPN 1000, how confident are you in Justin Fields compared to his draft day? More confident, as confident, less confident, and draft a quarterback in 2023. Well, we'll see. We'll take your temperature on that if you want to chime in. 312-332-3776. We've got Matt Eberflus on Justin Fields' performance in game one. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought he operated good. Uh, I thought he was, you know, I know he had a couple of drops there. They dropped a couple of balls there, uh, you know, but we'll get that cleaned up. You know, we got to take those layups when he's checking the ball down um, and get those yards, but we'll get that cleaned up. That's not an issue. Um, but overall, it was good. His operation was good. In and out of the huddle was good. We had a challenge on the sideline where I think he hurried up, you know, uh, up to get to the line so the, guy, uh, the opponent couldn't throw the challenge flag, um, which was good. We got the playoff and did a nice job operating there. Uh, but overall, it was it was a good performance. I still am so glad we don't get word salad. That was pretty right to the point. Everything yeah, and, we and, needed and, to do. And that Iberfus is correct to point out that I, Andy Reid wasn't going to throw a challenge flag in, in the preseason. I didn't think he was. But they were acting as if in a regular season game they had a hurry because mm-hmm. the question was whether Tajay uh, Sharp got both feet down and, on right. the sideline after the fingertip catch, which was right. terrific. Um, but they, they hurried up, as you would have to do in, in a regular season game or even a playoff game, if we can imagine, um, to you know before they have a chance to look at the play a second time and, and decide whether to challenge it or not. So there were, like, that's to your point, it looks like a more efficient coherent operation professional. in a snapshot of a game, yeah. Right, professional operation. And we know, I, I believe we talked about it or um, uh, we read about it or I heard it yesterday, but, you know, Matt Eberflus did did a lot of work. Yeah, I must have read this somewhere where, you know, he was working with a mental uh, skills coach. No, we uh, talked now, Yeah, we talked about yeah, yesterday. That's he what went, it was. He, okay. you know, he where did, he was he running through. by scenarios, right, in the season. He was running through all these possible scenarios. And that was just impressive as hell because it's not like we heard that Matt Nagy did that, but that's that's the type of preparation you need in the NFL. No yeah, doubt. Through, and it's good to hear that that's the level that they're at. Going through 15 to 20 video sessions uh, with their, their staff, Colleen Kane wrote about this in the Tribune. That's what trying as a as a first year head coach, trying to make sure that he knows what situations he's thought them through. He's actually looked at them on screen and how would I react to this? And um, then you know checking in with the NFL rules people to make sure he understands all the rules and he knows when to challenge, when not to challenge. Um, you know, Lovey Smith just used to go on a gut feeling. I mean, he, he would say that publicly. It was just, well, that's nice, but you'd like to actually have something more of a basis to, to, to react to, right? Okay, I Absolutely. know that rule. And, and here, I, I want to ask Bears fans, not only what you liked and what you had concerns about uh, yesterday, 312-332-3776, 
we talked about the sod and how embarrassing that is. And, you know, as much as Patrick Mahomes was a pro and said no big deal, um, the rest of the league had things to say about it, and rightfully so. Is there anything that, as a Bears fan who goes out to Soldier Field, the rear season ticket holder, is there anything you really love about that stadium? I mean, parking in and out. Beyond, the, get beyond, out the, vintage, beyond the vintage part of it, right. I think we should throw that out there because that's obvious. What do you really like about that place? Yeah, I mean, it could be concessions. It could be sight lines. It could be – I'd love to know, if you were trying to sell the Bears on staying, what would your, your, your bullet points be? What would be your PowerPoint presentation? Is there something that you think – is really like among the the best at aspects of an NFL stadium, and we have it here at Soldier Field. And normally, we just beat up Soldier Field with the flying saucer inside the colonnades and the uh, you know and and the War Memorial. Um, but maybe there's something you know you just absolutely love. I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who just love the people around them, and they've been sitting around each other for decades, and they're going to miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'm missing something because. For I don't know how many, six, seven straight years, I went to every Bears home and away game as part of the Sun-Times staff covering those those games. And I would get there three, three and a half hours before a game. Uh, we talked to Mark Potash yesterday, and he was outside the stadium a couple hours before kickoff. But I would, I would make sure I didn't get caught in the traffic, right? I would rather be there earlier than not. And it, it's, it, you know, people, whether, even if you're, you're taking public transportation, you have to trek across the museum campus to get yes, to Soldier do. Field, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, maybe the concessions, we know how much we salute and celebrate the food down at the rate. I have never really heard anyone say, boy, that Soldier Field the hot dog, is uh, in, that's a to die for. i got <laughs> well, you know, to have that. Right. And, and I will say this. I have never seen a situation to where a new stadium, and I'm just going to get this out here, Yes, it's a pain in the ass to get to Soldier Field in many different ways. But I've never seen a situation where a new stadium goes up and it's easy to get into a game that everybody wants to go to. There's always going to be some kind of traffic challenge. Unless they can do it and they can change my mind if they move to Arlington Heights and make this happen. I do not have high hopes for eliminating any kind of traffic issues. However, the experience of being in the stadium, the concessions, the bathrooms, the seating, the sight lines, all of that plays into that. And yes, it is a historic building. And that's the one thing it has going for it. Otherwise, is it really keeping up? Is there anything that uh, it just is, stands out? And I look forward to talking to Courtney Cronin. We're going to do that at uh, 1030 here. Because Roquan Smith sitting on, or standing on the sidelines, could we not have made him play, Brian? Yeah, no, you couldn't. I mean, you, you yes, technically, of course, you you can't force him. I mean, going to drag him out on the field. But well, right, they haven't right. even find they haven't even find him yet after taking him off the physically unable to perform list. So that is that got his attention, or should that? Are the next step is? Are you going to either start joining us on the practice field, or do we have to start finding you the forty thousand dollars every missed practice, and then your your game salaries? Um, I guess I, I didn't want to see him on the sideline if he wasn't wanting to be part of this team. I just didn't even want to see them him there as a fan. Well, this we talked about yesterday. This thing has taken a turn, and it's gone south in about the last three days in a big way. And by the way, Mike Florio uh, of Pro Football Talk uh, reported that someone on behalf of Roquan Smith has been dialing up teams trying to in- engineer a trade. And the problem with that is no one – 
affiliated with Roquan Smith is an a, a authorized agent in the NFL or the NFLPA. Right. So, and, and he and he can't because he can't even go ahead and start making calls no, on his own behalf, no, can he? Because no, that's, that's tampering. The Bears have to give permission to do that, and they have not done that. And Brad Biggs uh, verified the Mike Florio report. So now he he checked around, and his sources say, yep, that's, that's, that is happening. Wow. And so the Bears haven't played hardball yet. But to answer your question, you know, one, they don't want him out there going to get hurt since he hasn't been participating in practice. But two, they're still trying to salvage a deal here. And our other Twitter poll question is, what's the more likely scenario? Bears sign Roquan Smith to an extension. Bears trade Roquan Smith. And there's some talk yesterday, or actually there's some talk, this thing could be resolved one way or the other by Thursday before the game in Seattle, which I will be shocked if that happens. And, but if it does happen, is that more likely that means they're, they're just done with it and they're going to get what they can get for him? I mean, he, Ryan Poles faced this thing head on and went public and, and had his media, uh, his press conference to talk about it and address it. But we've heard Ian Rappaport talk about the Bears backloading the deal, maybe not having enough guaranteed money, still wanting to see more from the 25-year-old who's not, you know, whether he fits in their system. And really, what's the value of that position? Uh, as, you know, that, you know, historically in the league, it's not one you throw a ton of money at, even though $100 million is nothing to sniff at, right? So this, this situation, um, it, it bears watching, and it really, I, I don't know that it gets settled in the next three or four days, but it can't go into the first week of the uh, regular season. No, it just no. can't. I, I say we, uh, as we go into break here and come back and talk to Courtney Cronin, maybe we should uh, start a crowdsourcing to uh, hire him an agent because apparently he's he's a <laughs> little short of the funds. I was going to say, we don't need a GoFundMe page for the Bears to pay him, right? We're not <laughs> no, that. I hope not. 313-332-3776. That's how you get a hold of us. But we are going to talk to Courtney Cronin, our Bears insider, next year on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Xander and Hanley on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. We are joined by Courtney Cronin, Bears insider here for ESPN 1000. Game one for the preseason in the books of victory, but what does it all really mean? Good morning, Courtney. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, good. So uh, aside from the terrible field conditions that was really, really obvious on the TV, um, Mm -hmm. you, you know, what? What did you see that was really, really obvious that uh, maybe we should be happy about? I mean, you know, Justin Fields did okay. I'm not sure we saw a lot of progress, but maybe there was something subtle in which we should uh, point out here. What what was your take? Yeah, I think that the fact that the first-team offense and Fields were out there for 18 plays, it's such a small sample size. You really Mm -hmm. can't go all in and take a ton away from it. The fact that they didn't produce any points on those drives, I think they had a total of two or three first downs. Not great, but you look at the connection that he has with Mooney, it's still there. That's like a great thing because, you know, it's nice to have somebody he can rely on to catch the ball. And then on top of that, you know, I think the catch that he made to Tajay Sharp, but there's a lot that you can look at within that it's not just Tajay reaching out with his one, you know, his, I think it was the left hand that he caught it with, like a really nice catch, tiptoed catch down the sideline. 
to keep his feet in bounds. Like, that's great. But that also came on third and nine. In Fields, there was a free rusher at the end who got to him. And so as he's making that throw, he's getting hit. So I think hanging in there against the blitz and timing it up enough where, like, I asked him about that play afterwards, and he said, like, he knew exactly what he was expecting. There's a lot of man coverage in the preseason because that's what teams do with their defenses. They want to evaluate how their guys can play straight up. So when you know that and you know that that's the situation you're going to be put in with the receiver and you and the receiver can communicate that to each other pre-snap to know, okay, the timing, the rhythm, and where you expect the ball to be and where you expect Sharp to be, like that was all perfect. I thought that was a really nice delivered play. So it's more than just, oh, great catch by Tajay Sharp. It's looking a little bit further into that about, how has Fields grown from year one to two? Could he have made that throw last year, or would he would he have just been out of the pocket running, trying mm-hmm. to find somebody on the run within two seconds of of the ball being snapped because he was you know sensing pressure and maybe not knowing he could hang in through that pressure? So I thought it was really good from those moments, but obviously there were drops, there were the offensive lines kind of all over the place still. You know, I do think some of the takeaways for for that group, Braxton Jones is your left tackle pretty obviously for, for, for week one, you don't pull him after 18 plays if he's not. And I thought the left side of the line, him and Whitehair did really well. Um, you know, Braxton Jones didn't look like he was too overwhelmed out there. I mean, he had Frank Clark lined up against him and I think he honestly handled his own really well, which I don't know, even if I would have expected definitely did not expect from a fifth round rookie when this whole thing was starting to to come together, but that's a welcome sign. I think the other part of the line, there's definitely some work to be done on the right side, and we didn't see Riley Reese, so that has to factor into your evaluation. But that those are those are my takeaways, really, for the offense, the offense that we're going to be talking about in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. We can evaluate all of the second, third string guys all we want. How much is that going to matter? in the end, I, I think is what that boils down to. Right. Courtney, you have a, a unique perspective coming from covering the Vikings because Jim Miller, who did the game yesterday, has talked about, you know, using one run, running back and two wide receivers. And for Kansas City is more of a 70-30 pass-run uh, ratio. The the Bears' ideal is going to be more like the Rams, the Vikings, or even the Packers to a degree. But um, having covered that team and, and watching how that offense evolves and when it is uh, running successfully, what it all entails, um, love to hear your take on what went well and, and what needs to go well for that Vikings-type offense to work here. And also the importance of the quarterback's coach here who came from the Vikings because that relationship with Justin Fields, um, certainly you, know, you can bring some perspective to that. Yeah, no, I think that honestly, you're going to see a lot of 21, 22 personnel, like, you know, using two running backs on the field at a time. Like if if you want to get success out of your second year quarterback and you have talent deficiencies around him and, and a depleted receiving group, you need to rely on the run game. That is that is like point number one that needs to be emphasized over and over and over again because that's only going to help Fields in a year where he's got to figure out some ways to improve without the burden of winning games. But that's, you know, when we talk about year two for Justin Fields and the expectations, that's a storyline in his development that's going to be a storyline all season long. So some of that's on how does this scheme help him in those circumstances where it might not look, you know, it looks kind of bleak. And so I think from a play calling perspective and what, you know, what we expect is Luke Getzey was on the field. I asked him about that yesterday, if that was by design. And I guess it's just 
maybe that's where Luke prefers to call plays. So we'll see how that connection works because being able to modify and, and tweak that and making sure it is what the quarterback wants it to be and it works well for him, that, that's what you use the preseason for to test out does Luke Getzey need to be in the box to see plays? Does he want to be on the field? Like, is he communicating with Justin like pretty intently on the iPad after um, you know after the offense is off the field? All that stuff is going to play into the success of the quarterback. But in terms of using like heavier personnel groupings, like you're right, I think you should expect to see some twelve out there, which is two tight ends. Like, if you don't have the receipt, you can't. Not everybody can be an eleven personnel team. That's just that just right. is what it is. You can also run out of eleven personnel. I know that people look at the Rams and say, well, they never do that. Well, actually, like, yes, you can run out of a three receiver set. It is possible. But I think that there are ways to kind of modify this where you are using multiple tight ends, multiple running backs at a time to help your quarterback and not necessarily go like what I guess the average fan would think of as like a traditional passing attack where you have all these wide receivers out there. How important is Andy Andy to uh, Justin Fields' uh, development? How important is who? Andy Janico. Oh, Andrew Janoko. I mean, it's huge. It's, a quarter, it's your quarterback's coach. Um, and and Janoko's great. Like, I've known him for, for years now. I've seen him coach everything from tight ends to wide receivers to quarterbacks. And I think having somebody who can – like, you, you've got a quarterback in year two. There's no more pressure on like, – there's, no, there's not a job that has more pressure on it than being a coach of making sure that you can get the franchise some answers, not all of them, but some answers about the quarterback by the end of the second year. So, yeah, Janoko's going to be playing a huge role on that. I think, you know, he, he's, been a, he, he's been in Minnesota. He was there my entire time, and he did a terrific job there. And I feel like there's a reason, like him and Luke Getzey, their connection going all the way back to Pitt. Those things are important. And I think that, you know, for Justin, having somebody he's comfortable with, because Luke is obviously in his headset, but Janoko's up in the booth so he can see the entire field. And, and being able to relay that to him after drives, like, what did you see? What did I miss? Um, even Fields said, like, today and tomorrow, um, when they go through the film and they look back at everything, like, he's going to go through every single play and be like, all right, what were the rules on this play? Where was I supposed to go with it? Where did I go with it? And trying to evaluate from there, it's, uh, there's a lot of minutia in that, but that stuff matters. It adds up to figuring out, was the play successful, was it not? And the quarterback's coach is a huge part of that. Now, obviously, the offense is going to be something that we really, really focus on, but Bears have always been known for defense. Jaquan Brisker, wow, did he look good yesterday. Uh, That was part of the Khalil Mack deal. So that looks good. We haven't seen Robert Quinn play. Hopefully, he's got his head on straight this year and he plays. But uh, Roquan Smith, how is that? Uh, Do you anticipate anything happening before Thursday? Because reports are it could get settled one way or another before this Thursday. Yeah, um, it's a tricky situation. I have an FAQ coming out at ESPN.com kind of breaking down the whole thing. And it's, I just, you know, in terms of like some of the reports you've heard of trades and and how willing the team is to do it, you heard Ryan Poles yesterday before the game um, on the team's radio network just talking about that nothing's changed really on that front, that, you know, he's still trying to get something done for Roquan Smith. And I don't know, you don't want to overreact to the preseason, but that first drive, Matt Adams got picked on by Patrick Mahomes. Like, would I say that Roquan Smith wouldn't be in the same situation? I don't know, but having somebody out there of Roquan's caliber mm-hmm. only helps the defense. You're not a better defense when your best player's not playing. Like, that's a fact. And so 
I think the ba- that's like when we talk about leverage, who has leverage, who does not. That's Roquan's leverage of see what it looks like when I'm not out there. Like, give me what I'm asking for. But the Bears also could be looking at this thing from a realistic perspective. I don't feel like when he requested a trade that he really wanted to be out of here. To me, that's a negotiating tactic for someone who does not have an NFLPA certified agent. He might have somebody in his ear, a financial advisor, wealth management person. A lot of these guys who represent themselves do. Um, But I don't think he actually wanted to be out of here. I think he wants to reset the market which right now is $98.5 million for Darius Leonard, and he probably wants more than that. So I, I wouldn't be, you know, with anything with this situation, it's so bizarre because you don't know how serious the Bears are about wanting to right. trade him. If they've been wanting to get this thing done, then of course they don't want to trade him. But if there is a market, if there's a market out there for him, like you got to think of a team like the Saints. And I'm just throwing this out there. Like their linebacker situation, Kiko Alonso just retired. They had another linebacker, I think, get hurt. Like teams need linebackers um the market for them is just not what it used to be especially for off-ball linebackers i mean i saw it up close in in minnesota anthony Barr's contract looks like an absolute failure on the part of the minnesota vikings because he got hurt after he got paid in 19 and, and never panned out and so um i think teams are right to be cautious about it but if matt eberflus is telling you that this is a necessary position for my defense, I need to have this guy out there, then maybe they end up going back to the drawing board and trying to get something done and, and, and kind of massaging those negotiations so it's not as contentious. Do you think there's going to come a point here sooner than later where the Bears start playing hardball and fining Roquan for missed practices and games? I feel like they're going to have to at some point, but, I mean, it's also – they could also let it fly for now, which is, I mean, if he's, he's technically going against team rules because, as Matt Eberflus told us the other day, healthy players on this team are supposed to practice. You can't set a precedent and then have another couple guys, maybe people who right. want a new contract too, and be like, well, if Roquan did it, I'm going to do it. Like, you, you, you create chaos that way, and this is an unnecessary distraction for this team. But in the end, if they say, no, we're not going to find him, let's just let him play this thing out, he better play week one because he doesn't want his contract at all. That's worse than anything else. It's a nuclear option that literally it would be self-sabotage because if your contract tolls, they keep you at $9.7 million next year. That's your number this year. And you, you effectively shoot yourself in the foot doing that. There's, that's, I mean, there's no logical reason to do it. You would end up playing maybe like, you know, you, you just somehow like get, get yourself through 17 games and then you hit free agency. Of course, could they franchise you? Yes, but like I don't think that if it, if it's if it, the relationship is deteriorated so poorly by that point, the Bears wouldn't just do that out of spite. That's idiotic. That's that's a reckless use of power to do that. So I feel like both sides would end up parting ways. But if he doesn't, if this thing doesn't get solved and he doesn't have a contract, he's playing week one because the financial penalty and what that does to your career to not play and to miss games far outweighs any sort of like, let me stick it to them. I'm proving my point and and digging my heels in like, no, you're going to have to play at that point. Well, it's going to be an interesting week getting ready for the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night, uh, 7 PM kick Courtney Cronin of ESPN. Thank you for joining us. And we'll look forward to that article at uh, ESPN.com. Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. Thanks for joining us here on ESPN 1000. We'll be right back. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good day. There are millions of places to get ESPN Chicago. There are smart speakers, phones, podcasts, standing in front of the old National Bank studio on State Street. 
Hello? There's Twitch.tv, FMHD, and of course, the original ESPN 1000 on the AM dial. We're glad you found us. And so are these very patient hosts, Mark Zander and Brian Hanley. We just talked to Courtney Cronin, our ESPN 1000 Bears insider. And it was, she does a great job. It was good to talk to her. She pointed out some things about Justin Fields making that throw to um, uh, Sharp, who, yeah, that was a third and nine situation and uh, nice, nice play under pressure. Uh, you know, the O line got serious issues there, the Roquan Smith thing. There's a lot of drama leading up to preseason game number two this Thursday, Brian. Well, Mark, you know, yesterday one of our uh, listeners tweeted at us that uh, you are like a, uh, an onion, young man. You are there's so many layers to a Mark Xander because we <laughs> found out that you're you're a car guy and you're going to a car show and you got a grand a Grand Prix from 1969 and yeah. you can put cars together and take them apart and and you know, so you are an onion, but they're like the onion that Roquan Smith's situation presents. There are so many layers, and Courtney just said it. You know, we've been talking about it. Okay, he was on the pup list because the Bears wanted to soft sell this thing. He's missing practice. He well, he's he's injured. He can't practice anyway. So we'll figure out the contract. Then on Tuesday, he puts out the written statement saying he wants to trade. He's been disrespected. And by the way, the McCaskies could step in and give me everything I wanted, which is not going to happen. And so the next day, Ryan Poles takes him off the pup list and says, "Guess what." Yeah, you're you're ready to practice. You're physically ready to go, and yet he still hasn't been out there. So, how many layers are there to this Roquan Smith situation? And Courtney alluded to it. It's about building a culture. We talked about accountability, and can you? How long can you let this slide where there is no um, consequence to his action? You know, inaction. He's not practicing. He's not right, and she this. and and what she said was basically they can't. Let this go on because this gives permission for other it's people precedent. to do this. Right. It's setting precedent. And this would be something I feel the previous regime would let go. And I'm I'm looking for Eber, Flues, and Poles to kind of set a direct, you know, a, a direct, uh, I, I don't know, a, a directive, I guess I would say, to say, okay, we're, we're this is our offer. You sign we take you off or you're getting fined every day. And now this is going to start getting uh, for all the practices. And if you do not play, this is going to really affect your career. Another year of control, all of these factors that are not going to work in Roquan Smith's favor. Okay. And, and we, you know, yesterday, Mark Potash told us and Courtney just uh, reiterated, he has played six games this year or the bears control him for another year at the, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't get to go to free agency. This is the fifth year of his, of his contract because he was a first-round pick. So back to those layers, it, it, as long as you think there's a possibility to sign him, you don't bring down the hammer and start finding him. But that said, um, in his statement, his written trade you know, demand, he said that he felt like they were negotiating take-it-or-leave-it offers. Now, Ryan Poles said there are some historic clauses of this contract, which would set precedent around the league for, for a guy, a linebacker like that getting paid. Um, but the fact of the matter is new regime wants to put in their way of doing things and let, you know, let everyone know who's in charge. You can't let this thing drag on even to the right. first week of the season. I, but that said, if you're Ryan Poles, 
You don't want to be making those trade phone calls that you make and not someone for Roquan Smith is making um, illegitimately. As a GM, you don't want to be basically feeling like the rest of the league is trying to take advantage of a situation. That's right. You're, you're behind you know, a rock and a hard place. You're in between that because the, the guy doesn't want to play for you, so therefore I'll give you 70 cents on the dollar. 312-332-3776, how much are you monitoring Roquan Smith's situation because the Bears aren't expected to win six, seven games this year, does it matter to you? He is a your best player on the team, uh, on a defense, certainly, and, and I would argue on the team because we're still waiting to see what we have here in Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, does it matter because the team is years away from, you know, hopefully being a Super Bowl contending team? Um, does it matter at all to you that, or is this, it can't be a distraction. In my world, it, it is a distraction already. It's taken yes, it a turn is. in the last three days, right. and I don't know that I could let it go on another two weeks. I don't know that it'll be done by Thursday, one way or the other. But, but you know, and that's why I think we're hearing Thursday because it has come to a head. It can't go on very much longer because, again, as you said, rightfully said, you know, you can't start finding the guy if you really think you're going to sign him because. That creates, and, and again, not having an agent, this is a direct contact between yep, Poles absolutely. and him. So there, uh, that's a layer that's not there. And, and so if you start finding him, that's going to create a problem. But you certainly can't let it go on because it creates a precedent of which you don't, don't want to create for the rest of the team when contract issues come up. And, and yesterday we talked about this, Brian. We haven't seen him in this defense, in this team under these new coaches in this new regime and they have every reason to expect that they can get a feel for what he's going to be in this new situation before they sign him and of course that's not going to happen they're going to have to take a leap of faith the man's talented there's no question about it but at one point as you said we're years from really being you know this tremendous team and hopefully we're moving toward that does a Roquan matter right now for him to hold us hostage like this and hold the team hostage, basically? Where do you weigh in on this? 312-332-3776. There's a lot of layers, as you said, to peel back here. And it's just really unfortunate that this drama is is part of such a bigger storyline. Also, what do you like about Soldier Field? I mean, is there anything, you know, yesterday the embarrassment that was the uh, the turf yet again, and this has been going on for 30 years. So, I mean, it, it's not yeah. it's not 5, 10. It's, it goes back to the 90s. Um, and yet here you are again, and the Bears have one foot out the door and one foot in Arlington Heights. But it's just an embarrassment no matter they're on the move. But as a Bears fan, is there anything you're going to miss about Soldier Field that you really enjoy? 312-332-3776. Yeah, we'll get to to your phone calls, more Bears talk in two minutes here on ESPN 1000.